You can hear me, right? Now, yeah, I can hear myself now. That's good. Psalms 97, as I, as I was saying, tomorrow the Jewish people celebrate Rosh Hashanah. That is the celebration feast of the coming of their Messiah. They believe that God's going to come in the form of a human, uh, and he will be the Messiah, and he will sit on the throne of Israel at Jerusalem and establish uh, a kingdom that will be a worldwide uh, power. Now, that's been taught to the Jews throughout uh, all of human history, ever since the first revelation in the Bible. And you know what? We agree with that. The only problem is they, they, didn't, they didn't trust him. They, they, they don't understand. He's already came once. He came in Bethlehem, and he was a servant, and, and he died on a cross for the sins of the world. And the Jewish people basically, as a, as a, a majority, they're still looking for God to send a Messiah because they missed Jesus, the real Messiah. Now this psalm right here is uh, telling us to, to uh, rejoice in our faith, rejoice in our faith because uh, he's coming. It's, it's about the coming of Messiah. Now this was written before Jesus came. And, and uh, let me recommend you watch, uh, and, and, uh, watch the, the Chosen One, The Chosen it's a, it's a really, they've done a good job on those two series that I've watched. And, and it's all about Jesus, the Messiah. And uh, in there, in that, I watched one last night. They were talking about the Messiah coming, the Messiah coming. So let's read this psalm written before he came. And then I'll, I'll try to say some things about it. Psalms 9-7. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him, and burn up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlighteneth the world, and the earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that uh, serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above the earth, thou art exalted far above all the gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Uh, he preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is shown, uh, sown for the righteousness and gladness for the upright of heart. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Now, as I said, this psalm is written about the coming of of the Jewish Messiah. And what the Jews did not understand at the time that Jesus came, that he not only came to be a Jewish Messiah, he came to be the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is one of seven Psalms that talks about the coming of the Messiah. So the Bible teaches that there's a coming day when God will send the Messiah. And we as Christians know that God's Son, Jesus, is that Messiah, and he came one time 
2,000 years ago, died on a cross, arose from the grave, ascended back into heaven, and gave the apostles the promise that he's coming again. So we're looking for him to come again. And, and this psalm here, it celebrates the coming of the Messiah, but it also celebrates the sovereignty of God. Now, uh, the word sovereignty is a, a word that we don't use every day, and Preachers use it every day in the study, so I like to give a little description. Sovereignty simply means that God is in all control. He has everything under him. He can control everything. And, and the good part about the, the idea of the sovereignty of God is that we can trust him to take care of things. In your life, you can trust him. And I'm not saying it's going to go your way. I'm not saying you're going to win the game. I'm not saying that everything's going to go the way you want it, but you can trust God. That's the, the idea of the sovereignty of God at practice. It also talks about the supremacy of God, that he is above all things. And that's why he is sovereign, is because he is above all things. He that created the world has the power to take care of the world. And so we can trust the supremacy of God. He is high and lifted up. He's up, 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 above, far above us. And we can trust that he is in control of things. Now, does that mean that he controls everything from here? It's, does, he's not micromanaging in the sense that, that uh, you know, he, he causes this and causes that. But he's over it in the sense that he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. We can trust him. Now the psalm looks, uh, it looks at what we think of as the past, and then it looks into the future. We can look back, and some of this is, is already fulfilled, but some of it's still in the future. Now, in the Bible, the Bible teaches that the Lord's coming again. That's clear. That's clear. When it happens, how it happens, that's not clear. And sometimes we want to pretend that we know things that in reality we do not know, right? So there's things we don't know. The, one of the most important things for you and I to, to realize is that we don't know everything. But there are two schools of thought that are popular. Uh, there's actually three major schools of thought about the coming of the Messiah, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, there's the post-millennial view. Now, the post-millennial means that he'll come after a time of peace on earth that he'll come after a time of peace on earth. Post-millennial means after a thousand years of peace. That is a thought. Now, that, that, that uh, thought or that school of thought was very popular at one time in the world uh, when it, you know, was, we, we didn't see what was going on around the world before we had television. But now that we got television... It doesn't look like we're living in a time of peace, does it? The problem with that view is, uh, is the universe or is the world becoming a better place? In some ways, yeah, you you say we're becoming, but really are we? The problem with that thought is the world is not becoming a better place. Now, the premillennial view is that the world will get worse. It will get worse. Uh, and and it's going to it's going to take God to come. It's going to take Jesus to come to straighten it out. Now, if it sounds like I'm prejudiced, I am. I believe that the world's going to get worse, 
And Jesus is the only one going to be able to straighten it out. Now, there's another view, uh, which would be the amillennial view. And, and that view is, is still popular, and it may be what you believe. I grew up in a church that basically believed in, in the, the amillennial view uh, before the final pastor, before I left there, came. And that view is this, that all of these things are figurative and instructive about the coming of the Messiah. And, and, the, and the, the amillennial view is this, that when you die, you go to be with the Lord, and it's a fulfillment of all things, and you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of Jesus. And that's another view, that, that when you die, you just enter into the kingdom where Jesus is the millennial, uh, is the Messiah reigning in that kingdom. So, you know, those things are not, they're, they're not things to die on. They're not hills to die on, right? Because the reality is that we don't know all things. Right now, I, I I look to the premillennial view. That I, I believe that Jesus is literally coming because he said so many things that that cannot be figurative. In my view, they cannot be figurative. He has to come and fulfill them to keep what he told us he would do. So I believe in that premillennial view. Now Jesus will return and he will establish peace in the premillennial view. Now verses one to six describes the Lord coming. I say, if he's not coming, why does it say he's coming? That's, that's where I'm at. And then, in verse 7 to 12, it describes the consequences of the Messiah coming. And, and we'll see the king, and we'll see the kingdom according to Psalm 97. Now, the introduction in verse 1 through 3, it says, The Lord reigns. Look at it. He says, The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burning up of the enemy round about. Now, I think the most important thing we can get from verses 1, 2, and 3 is that no matter what you think the world's coming to, no matter your view of whether the world is getting bad are getting better, and, and many have the view, and we have the thought, what's going to happen to us? Let me assure you, the Bible says that the Lord reigns. Can we take that and put it in our heart and realize that we can have faith and we can trust Him, that God's in charge? Now, he goes on to say, the Lord reigneth on the earth. And then he said, let the multitude of of isles rejoice in that. We need to, there's no reason why the Christian can't rejoice when there's trouble going on all around us. Why can't we rejoice? Simply because the Lord is in charge. Yeah, that's the only reason you can rejoice. And then he says in verse 2, verse 2, clouds and darkness are around about. Hey, clouds of darkness are always there. You know, I, I, I looked at my app the other day, and it said we were going to have one week of big old sunshines on every day. And I looked up yesterday, and I saw clouds. And I looked out there, and I saw rain on the ground. It had rained on the ground. Hey, clouds are always around, right? There's always, there's always troubles. There's always, always something to be fearful about. 
And that's why we need our faith to operate in our life that even though troubles are going on, God is in charge and He'll get us through this. I think sometimes we fail to see that God moves, that God works through everything that goes on. And we need to trust Him by faith that it's all going to work out. It's all going to be okay. And that's where we have to operate faith. And, and some people think that, that God needs to fix everything all the time. I, I, I hear people saying, if, if, if there is a God, why does He allow all the troubles to go in, on in the world? Why does He allow a little child to suffer? God, if God went and fixed every problem that went on, there would be no room for anyone to have any faith because all would believe because they see. And if you learn anything about Jesus, when He was here on earth... He always left room for people to have faith. I don't know if you get what I'm saying, but I want you to get what I'm saying. That God doesn't fix everything. He allows this world to continue, and He is allowing you to believe on Him, even in spite of what you may be seeing going on in the world. And when Jesus comes again, It will be the end of our faith. We will not have to have faith anymore. Our faith will come to its completion and be fulfilled. And and everything will be under the Lord's feet. Everything will be under control. And He will rule the world. And He'll reign from Jerusalem. That's what the Bible teaches in the premillennial view of Jesus coming again. And we look forward to the time when the Creator comes to the earth to rule over the creation. But now we're here living by faith. And that's the way God wants it. Yeah, I believe there's going to be a time of perfect peace in the end. Yeah, the Bible teaches here that everything's going to submit to His authority. But God allows us to live this world, and He gives us the freedom to choose Him or not to choose. To choose life or not to choose life. And that's the way God wants it. Now, He talks about the clouds of darkness. They're always present. Now, If you're going through a hard time right now in your life, and there are always people going through hard times, and I've been through the cycles. I've been through hard times, good times, mediocre times, and times I didn't know what was going on. Amen? If you're going through a hard time, let me just assure you that those dark clouds are going to pass over. And the sun is still shining. And it's going to, he's going to take care of things. Yeah. There's always a veil or covering when the Lord comes. There's always a, a veil or a covering so that there has to be an amount of faith. Some people believe, and I think sometimes we mislead people to believe, that if you give your life to Christ, if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that He's going to fix everything in your life. Sorry if I've made you believe that before, but that's just not true. He's not going to help you around all the troubles of life, but He'll help you through the troubles of life. Now, in verse 3 it says here, The fire goeth before him, and burneth up the enemies round about. Now that's looking forward to when he comes again. The Bible teaches, in the premillennial, if you see it this way, in the premillennial view, that in the end time, all of the nations of the earth are going to be surrounding the nation of Israel. 
Tell me, would you tell me why in the world that tiny little Israel that has very little oil seems to be in our news more than any other place on the earth? It's only one reason. It's God's city. Jerusalem is God's city. And when Jesus comes, he'll rule from Jerusalem. And what you need to understand that the devil, Satan, which is the leader of the spiritual world of darkness, hates Jerusalem, hates God, hates you. And that's why he wants to bring the whole world to surround little Jerusalem to destroy it. Now as we continue to read here, verse 4 it says, His lightning enlighteth the world, and the earth saw and trembleth. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. Verse 4 and 5. It's just teaching us right now. Some of the things I just shared with you, you can't see. You have to believe that they're going to happen. But what he is showing us in verse 4 and 5 there is that God's creation shows us more power than we know what to do with. Look at verse 4. The lightning. Has anybody ever harnessed the lightning? They say one lightning bolt could light up New York City. The power of God through what he created. Does God make it lightning? No, God doesn't make it lightning. But God put it in play and he made the world that lightning. He talks about the the melting of the hills. Now when he comes again, there's going to be a great earthquake that's going to split Mount Zion right there. It's going to happen. And when he comes, but but we can see in we can see in what he's done in creation that he has the power because he's above all the things that he created to do anything he wants to do. How many remember? Some of you want Mount St. Helens. We just went through the the area out there. We went west last year on a trip uh, to visit family, and we went by Mount St. St. Helen, we're a long way off. It, it erupted. Actually, I got into that and, and looked at the video, and it happened May the 18th, 1980. And you probably forget, you've probably forgotten how big of a deal Mount St. Helen was right here in the continental United States. 230 miles of earth were destroyed. 230 miles. It was a 5.1, 5.1 magnitude. It blew the top of the mountain off. The north face is completely different. I mean, big explosion. 15 miles of plume. 57 people died. The mountain was 9,677 feet high. And now today it's only 83, 63 high. That's over 1,300 feet taken off the top of that mountain. The God that created that is coming again. And that was a little earthquake. Did y'all know that we had some earthquakes here in Missouri last week? Wasn't it last week? Yeah. People talk about the big one one day, aren't they? I wouldn't worry about that. I'd worry about being right with God. Yeah. The God who made these things is bigger than these things. Look at verse verse 6. He said, The heavens declare His righteousness and all the people see His glory. When you look at the, the lightning, when you hear the thunder, when you see the, the power illustrated by the earth, let it remind you that 
in verse 6, the heavens declare the righteousness and all of us see the glory of God in those things. That's what we should do when we look at creation. When I go to some place where they're displaying the, uh, the world and history, we went and saw something in Florida this year, and I think how wonderful it would be if those people knew and would give honor to the one that created it. How, how powerful that would be. The one who made all of this is greater than everything he made. And here's the wonderful part. He sent his son, born of a virgin, 2,000 years ago, and Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life as the son of God and the son of Mary. And he died on the cross to die for our sins. His blood was shed to cover our sins. And you today can be saved by trusting him. What a glorious God we serve. Now, this text, this psalm, teaches that there's going to be a day of vindication. See, there's a lot of people that don't believe in God, right? Right? And that's a growing number. A lot of people don't believe in God. A lot of people don't believe in anything, you know? And it's all, that. see, that's why, another reason why I don't believe in the post-millennial ideal that things are going to get better than the Lord's going to come. Because things deteriorate. Everything deteriorates that is made of man. And even the earth, even the world, it, it has an end. God's going to end it. And, and it's wearing, isn't it? The world is wearing. But there's going to be a time of vindication. Look at verse 7. Confounded be all they that serve graven images that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. That, that verse says there's, there's a day coming. Verse 7, they're going to be confounded. You know, I, I, I don't like surprises. Now, if you're going to give me a surprise birthday party, don't tell me about it. I love to have a birth, surprise birthday party. December the 18th, it's my birthday, by the way. Oh, just... And I, I, I love money trees with money hanging on. <laughs> but seriously, none of us like unpleasant surprises, do we? None of us do. And the world's going to have an unpleasant surprise. After they turned their back on the God that created the world, after the majority of the world has turned their back on the one that created the world, they're going to be confounded. That's the description. Those that worship idols, those that are atheists, those that are evolutionists, they're going to be confounded. And it, it should make sense to you that the world is more, more and more turning their back on God because that's the way God works. He allows man to have his way. Now, the believer, verse 8, Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. When the Lord comes again, you're going to be on one of two sides. Every one of us are going to be on one of two sides. We're going to be either confounded. Why did I waste my life? It is real. God is real. It's, you're either going to be on the side of the confounded, or you're going to be on the side of the the glad. I want you on the side of the glad. We want to all be on the side of the glad. Verse 8 talks about being glad and rejoicing. All of those who, who trust God and believes are going to be glad and going to rejoice. Faith is the key word now. Believing and trusting. So many times people come to God for 
for just small reasons or, or for personal reasons. that They want God to fix everything. They want God to repair their life. They want God to, to take care of their needs. Listen, I can't promise you that God's going to do all those things, but I can promise you this, that if you'll trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He'll take care of eternity for you. You'll spend eternity with Him. He says here when He comes that He's going to judge idolatry. Did you, do you realize how big of a problem idolatry is? The Bible teaches us that's our number one problem. Pride and idolatry are number one and number two problem. Pride and idolatry. We put other things before God. Idolatry. And I'll tell you, as a Christian, we can do that. We, we can have a problem with idolatry, put other things before God. But in the text, it teaches that when he comes, he's going to judge the worldwide idolatry. He's going to judge it. But the believer is going to rejoice in it. Vindication of our faith. Look at verse 9. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted afar above all the other gods. So when the Lord comes, he's going to vindicate it all. We're going to see him as he is. We that have lived by faith are going to understand, like we've never understood before, that we chose the right road. Because he will vindicate himself. Now verses 10 to 12 gives us a summary of it. Ye, look at 10. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is shown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. How is he close? Summation is this. He encourages us to keep the faith. He said, hate evil. Love God. Hate evil. God's going to take care of things. He's going to deliver things. Have faith is the word. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We need to believe and trust God, even when the clouds overcome us, even when there's darkness over our world that we live in. God will preserve those that believe. God will deliver those who believe. Verse 11, light is sown, uh, sown for the righteous, gladness for the upright of heart. You know, here, here's what that verse is, is saying to you. Here's what it's saying. God will give you enough light to keep looking to Him. He'll give you enough light to look to Him. Light is sown. Being right. God will give you enough. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, He'll give you the light to believe. So the encouragement in us is to rejoice even in the dark times, even when the clouds are over because he's in charge. God is all-powerful. He is supreme over all the creation that he made. So let me summarize, summarize and close the text out. However the end takes place, God's in charge. Trust him. Trust him. Live for him. Honor him. Verse 12, 
Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. Give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. You know, when the word righteous shows up in the Bible, I think of two things. The first thing I think of when I see the word righteous in the Bible is, the, the, it's in Isaiah. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. It's sort of like this. You can look at yourself and maybe you've been out working and you look at yourself and you say, well, these clothes are clean. I try to convince my wife of that all the time. These clothes are clean. But then you put them under the light and you see the dirt. You know, we can look good and we can look clean under the lights that others might shine. But when you put us under the spotlight of God's righteousness, all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. So listen, you can't get to God by wanting to. You can't get to God your own way. You can't get to God by trying to live good and live right. The only way to get to God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. God sent the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to live a life that we could see, to die a death that we could not die. He died for our sins and the sin of the whole world. And His blood was shed to cover our sin so that we could be saved and go into the presence of God clean in the righteousness of Christ. So let me close with this. The number one thought of the, of the text, of the sermon, is that God's in charge. You can trust Him. But the most important is, are you ready to meet Him? Has there ever been a time and a place that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Hey, only then are you really ready. You're only ready to live when you've done that, and you're definitely only ready to die when you've done that. I want us, our musicians to come and prepare, and I want us to stand to our feet, and we want to give a verse of invitation. Always want to give an opportunity for you to make a profession of faith in the, at the end of the service. If you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and you're not a Christian, we invite you to come. You can take me by the hand and you can kneel right down here and give your heart to Christ. Would you come? Would you make that profession of faith that you're trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? Let's sing that now. Sing it out. Just as if you want to be a Christian, would you come? Uh, would you come? Let's bow our heads, piano, 
bass play for us softly.